Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Alt Reports Radio, where I'm very happy to be on here today with Martin Sines of BeQuest, um, which is a fund that he runs there. We're going to dig in and learn about what he's investing in and why and uh, and all that. So, Martin, thanks so much for jumping on here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Breck. Now, you were a referral from uh, Brett Berkey, who runs uh, Paperstack over there, which is a great platform if you're somebody mm -hmm. who's trading individual uh, notes, mortgage notes, uh, for the most part. I, have they ventured outside of mortgage notes yet? I'm not sure. Um, I think they deal with uh, business notes as well okay. and um, land leases and some Fantastic. other aspects of real estate. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he had great things to say about you, said that you and I should uh, chat and made an introduction. So I'm thrilled to have you on here. Tell me a little bit about the, uh, what is the fund that you have and what are you investing in? Sure. So, so I'll tell you um, probably first, um, maybe go into some of the origins of, of how I got into this mortgage note space, if you will. Okay, so it's um, mortgage notes. Is the your the whole fund? Mm -hmm. The whole okay. fund is is on. Uh, we buy pools of reperforming owner occupied residential mortgages from across the United States. Okay, in tertiary and suburban markets. So we're pretty much in every state, and um, our average fair market value for a property is about three hundred seventy thousand. Okay, so what's meant by Reperforming is um, these are individuals that receive mortgages at major lending institutions like Wells Fargo or PNC. They uh, the homeowners ran into a life circumstance. The mortgage became um, non-performing at some point due to divorce or health or a loss of job, and then at some point, a hedge fund or another lender got them back on track with a loan modification. These individuals, which are good individuals, um, they start paying again on schedule and over a period of 12, 12 months, 24 months, it becomes re-seasoned and performing again. Okay. So we'll buy those into our income fund at an 11, 12% yield wow. and pay out a 9% annual pref to our investors paid on a monthly basis. Okay. So... Then yeah, let's talk about how you got into that. How did how did that come to pass? Sure. Um, so like yourself, I had uh, my wife and I. Um, we founded a company. It was a government contracting company at the time in in '05, and we um, built that up over the course of years, uh, selling products and services to the federal government. Okay. And over the course of of time, we started acquiring commercial and residential properties as landlords in the DC area. And, and in 2013, um, after just a lot of stress selling to the fed feds, uh, my wife and I sold the company at a very good point. And I had, um, I had capital and, and, um, I wanted to do something different. And what I, what I knew at the time was I wanted to do something that had more impact on society. And also I wanted to not have as much stress associated with the income I was generating because <laughs> selling to bureaucrats is very stressful. Sure. And so, um, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but you know, I didn't, I didn't understand the mortgage side at the time, but 
a few months after selling the company, um, I was at a real estate club and I ran into um, Note School, that's an educational okay. platform. And they they uh, and I went through a three day workshop on on note mortgage note investing, and um, I was hooked at that point. I, I just read every book so on it. What um, was it I, that hooked you? So um, the the fact that I felt like I could buy mortgages um, across the country, so scalability, yeah, and that I could also um, <clears throat> I could also receive residual income, passive income that um, I didn't have to work as hard for, or I thought that was the case at the time. Okay. And, and um, so <laughs> well, those well, two we'll things, yeah, we'll get, <laughs> yeah, we'll go, we'll get into that. But so, yeah, so um, it kind of met both of the two uh, criterias I was looking for. And I went out and I, I, I put out a bunch of money and bought 10 first mortgage loans out um, of the gate. Do you remember where you got those? Like how that, whole deal came to pass? Was it one individual seller that you got those from or how'd that work? Yeah. So I bought 10 uh, first mortgage notes in Ohio okay. from FCI exchange, which is okay. no longer in service. Right. And they're paper stack. Highly recommend. I agree with you. Um, I actually transact sometimes on paper stack. I'm transacting now as we speak on, on an opportunity. So they're like paper stack is now um and and they and they dropped that that side of the business but um bought it from bought it from the exchange and and um i made i made a very um like a very large error coming out of the gate as a mortgage mm. note investor and okay be happy to share that with the with the group here yeah let's hear um, about it so you get you get what you focus on like everyone kind of heard that and so as a landlord, I was focused on the collateral. I was focused on the property. Mm -hmm. So I performed due diligence only from the perspective of understanding the collateral, which was the property. Yeah. So what I ended up getting back was the collateral mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, in the form of yeah. REO properties that in the yeah. middle of Ohio, which I, you know, lived 2000 miles away from. Yeah. And it wasn't REO, a, in case uh, someone's listening to this and doesn't know that that just means that you acquired it through the process of foreclosure where you were the lender and you foreclosed. Mm -hmm. Now you own it. And now it's, now it's REO. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so, um, you know, fast forward, it took me about 12 months, to 18 months before I really figured out that it was more advantageous to keep the homeowner in their home while creating a loan modification, which is a cash flow stream for yourself hmm. in the company. And it was really, that really kind of struck a chord because I wanted to be of greater service. So um, doing loan, mod figuring out what people can afford, people that got back on their feet from a hardship, um, working with them because I purchased these mortgages at a discount. And in the end, I helped homeowners keep their home and I helped myself and the company create 20, 30 year cash flow streams. Hmm. So is that about the term that is usually remaining when you're buying these things? Yeah, the average uh, term in Bequest is 22 years. Okay. So yeah, it's a it's an evergreen fund. And there's no expiration to it. And we we made it, uh, we set it up that way intentionally, because we want to pass it down to our children, uh, my partner and myself. Wow. As well as have give all the investors the opportunity to do the same. That's really cool. 
So tell me a little bit about um, those first notes and you're only looking at the collateral. Then you started looking at the borrower. At some point you, you made a shift, it, it seems, where you're, you started raising other money. It's not just your own money anymore. And it sounds like if you're buying only reperforming now and in the past, it, it sounds like you did your your you did your own rehab on those. You got uh, you got folks reperforming. Tell me a little bit about why the switch uh, there mm -hmm. and how you started, how you decided to start raising money, and what that's looked like. Sure. So I, I self funded um, for seven years, okay. and and so <laughs> excuse me, all my own money used. Um, in creating loan modifications. And in 2017, I received a, a spiritual calling while I was at church and um, just to share what I knew. And, and so I wrote Note Investing Made Easier. And I since wrote a few other additional books as well. Oh, okay. And so what a book is find it on Amazon or? Um... Mm -hmm. Okay, fantastic. Yes, yep. You, you just punch my name up on Amazon. And what, what I found as a result is I found other individuals that started connecting with me that for one, they wanted to do what, what I'm doing as a business. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I laid out what I did as a business so they could follow those steps and create a business for themselves, which is awesome, right? If you're an entrepreneur. And I also received a lot of feedback from other individuals, high paying high net worth individuals like doctors and lawyers. And, and they're like, well, I'm not looking to, for a business. I'm just looking for passive income. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so um, in 2020, my partner and I, um, we decided to launch Bequest funds as an income fund because we already had the mission. We already had a private fund that, that holds about 35 million in mortgages, um, right currently. Okay. And, and we already had been successful in helping those homeowners and converting them from non-performing to performing. And so what we decided is to do a legacy play for us and these investors that are also starving for passive income mm -hmm. on a monthly basis. So we launched Bequest funds as a vehicle to which buy these modif modified loans that are reseasoned from other hedge funds as yeah. well as ourselves, at an 11, 12% yield, even though the coupon rate, the interest rate is five, 6%. Hmm. We're buying them at a discount and which allows us to pay out 9% to investors um, paid monthly on a, on a monthly basis, wow. annual 9% annually paid yes. on a monthly basis. Right. So, uh, well, 9% monthly would be a lot better, Martin. I don't know if you... Yeah, <laughs> it would be. I'd be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Um, so why the switch from buying uh, and then rehabbing those loans to to buying already uh, performing loans? And did you take a... Uh, did that set you back in terms of the, the return? Because the way the note business would work, right? If you're buying 11 or 12% yield and the coupon rate is at five or 6%, you're having to buy at a pretty good discount mm -hmm. uh, below par. And so just um, tell me a little bit about that because it seems like it'd be easier to get those deals where they're not reperforming um, 
in order to get, you know, to get, uh, you know, lower strike on that. So just help sure. me understand that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, if our, our average coupon rate, our WAC, um, weighted average uh, coupon is, is about 7% in the fund. Okay. And so, um, you know, we can go, we could launch, we could have launched a fund that bought in the non-performing, converted them to performing. There'd be a lot more juice mm -hmm. in, you know, in, in the deals on that for the income fund, but it kind of moves away from the conservative nature that we wanted this fund to be. We wanted this fund to be a very, um, consistent and predictable stream of monthly passive income for investors that they can be comfortable with. Yeah. And because we buy it in at a 65% investment to value. So in other words, $200,000 property, we're yeah. in that deal, no more than 130 K. Okay. So since we're at, we, we operate at a low investment to value, then we want to be understood as a safe place for people to park their money. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about how you handle due diligence and mitigating risk and that sort of thing. Well, like what does your team look like? What do you look at when you're evaluating what you, what you want to buy? Sure. Um, so we have a 25 person operation in Sarasota, Florida. And so we have an acquisition team ran by my partner, Sean, and, and um, you know, we look at all the variables that, one would look at when purchasing a non-performing note because that's that's our roots is in the non-performing so you know we're doing everything from title search um broker pr uh, price opinions we're triangulating data for fair market value we're um, doing skip tracing bankruptcy search uh credit report pooling and credit uh report risk analysis and um you know we're we're merging all the data and uh in, in, a, in a pricing matrix system to go to go out and compete for pools of these mortgages. Okay. And, and so we've pretty much, I think over the course of 10 years, we've systematized it pretty well. Obviously one can always get better and stronger. Plus, you know, the, the economic times are changing. Yeah. So you have to kind of change your model uh, accordingly, but um, we're, we, we have a very balanced approach in the end where we truly understand the homeowner and their ability to continue to pay along with the underlining collateral property that's backing the promise. Hmm. And so uh, can you talk a little bit about where you're sourcing these? Are they institutional sales uh, at this point or you're, it's not, it's not uh, privately originated. It's not like seller finance. No. Yeah. no, all the mortgages we buy are, are Fannie and Freddie underwritten um, mortgages that were originated at a major lending institution. Okay. Um, uh, Deutsche Bank, PNC. I mean, you can kind of run down the list. Yeah. And, and, and these are, um, yeah, these are mortgages that were sold into the secondary mortgage market in a non-performing state to a hedge fund or another lender. And that lender turned that paper around to, so it's performing and then we'll buy it directly from that lender. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about the risks, because you mentioned a changing environment, and I think that's mm -hmm. on everybody's mind right now. There's a lot of bad news out there uh, in in different markets. And so just talk about 
Um, what's changing for you there? What what are you doing to hedge or to guard against whatever may come? And, and mm -hmm. what do you see happening in, in your market and in your fund? Yeah, so um, I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm a pessimistic person. So I'm always kind of like um, sky's always falling for me. Yeah. So I think bad news can be good news in okay. that um, – it, from an investor standpoint in that, in that it makes people more aware and hypersensitive to what, where they should park their money and mm -hmm. they should be that way anyway. Um, you know, however, because we, we were flush with cash the way we were past 10 years or 15 years or what, what have you, um, you know, people were a little looser with their guidelines for investing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, with that said, I always think of, three risk factors that anyone should look at when they're investing in any opportunity. And I think your um, alt report is just, is so incredibly um, powerful, just kind of bringing awareness to people on, on, you know, this, this topic, this industry that can actually provide for people. Um, but three risk factors, um, operator, who the operator is, um, you know, what, What's your what's your level of distance to that operator? Can you call them on the phone? I had someone, you know, that was asking me, well, what's the difference between your fund and um, Starwood? You know, yeah. and, and, you know multi-billion dollar fund. And I'm like, go ahead and after you get off the phone with me, go ahead and call the CEO of Starwood and ask right. him the same question. It's yeah. like, you can't, you can't, you have no, you, have, you, you know, you, you have no, you, your distance to that individual is far and stretched out. So, so, um, to me, you're talking to someone who I'm the largest investor in the fund. Okay. I am personally largest yeah. investor. My partner is the second largest investor. So that says we, a lot. we operate the fund, but we also have our money in the fund because we created the fund for us initially as a private fund. And right. then we kind of opened it up to investors. So who they, who they are, right? Like I've written books. I, I speak at, you know, various conferences on this subject and, but these are kind of questions, not about me. These are kind of the questions you want to start thinking the visibility that an operator has out on social media. Yeah. Are they considered thought leaders? Um, you know, read some of their publications. Can you visit them? Can you go to their office and meet the team? And, and so um, can you pick up the phone and talk to the head, whomever at any given time, if you have questions, are they responsive? Um, what are their level of communications? Do they put out quarterly reports with financials? Do they have a fund administrator that reconciles the books and, and shows arm length transactions? Hmm. So operator. And the other one is um, cash, um, cash preservation. Everyone wants to know, how are you protecting my capital? And, you know, what measures? So this kind of speaks to how you are, how the operator is on a due diligence standpoint. That was one of your questions. Yeah. But that should be a question anyone should ask when looking at an opportunity. What is the asset class? And then as an investor, how much do I know about that asset class? Mm. And then what are what is what are the due diligence steps that that fund takes prior to purchasing the asset to ensure they know what they're buying before they buy it? So that's important. And then, um, you know, the return, the capital return, um, the um, cash flow from the yeah. opportunity, you know, kind of speaks to it. I, I don't like to invest um, in opportunities where I have to wait too long before receiving cash flow, even though it might be a value add opportunity. Yeah. I want to know that I'm getting monthly cash flow. That's very important to me. And I want to know um, 
the influence or control levels I have over my relationship with the operator. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about who invests in this fund. I want to understand, you know, a little bit more about the, the uh, risk level. Let's talk about some minimums. And I think we've already uh, hit target returns pretty good. It's nine, 9% mm -hmm. uh, monthly, right? Um, 9% and, annually paid and, monthly. Right. Yes. 9% <laughs> nine, 9 annually paid monthly. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's run through that stuff. Sure. It's a 50K minimum buy-in. Um, average investors in for about a buck 77. Um, the maximum per entity is a million. We have some individuals at that level. Um, you know, people, um, I think about 40% of the investors come in from se with self-directed IRAs. Oh. We help people roll over um, IRAs from 401ks and other vehicles. If they need the assistance, we have a custodian that we have a relationship with. Um, the bulk of our investors are, um, and this, this makes me real happy, is uh, about 70% of our investors are entrepreneurs mm. slash and or real estate investors yeah. of some kind. Oftentimes it's both. They, they own a business plus some real estate. Yep. And that's, that what, what, I, what that really tells me is that these are individuals that have probably worked extremely hard for their active income. Yeah. And now they want to, uh, they appreciate having passive income that they don't have to think about how it was earned. Yeah. It's just received to them on a monthly basis. And, and so I, I think um, that kind of speaks to that. Yeah. So uh, what is the lockup like if someone invests with you? Sure. So um, we have three classes. We have a, um, we have a, a class D that pays 6% with a six month lockup. We have a class B that pays 8% with a one year lockup. And then we have a class C that pays 9% with a four year lockup. Okay. And, and all of those can be, you can compound at an increased rate, like nine compounds at like 9.39. Okay. And just talk to me a little bit. I want to uh, walk back and just touch again on, you know, we're at this weird time in the economy and just talk a little bit about, um, I, I want to talk about the risks again and just where, what you're doing as you're looking out, mm -hmm. you know, 12 or 18 months, how does whatever you're thinking impact what you're doing to protect funds and to make sure that you continue to be able to deliver on the monthly income? Sure. So um, for one thing, um, we look at the collectability rate on a daily basis. So, okay. um, you know, it really comes down for us to daily habits that we have as a company. And so we have a controller that produces a delinquency report. That delinquency report is issued to a particular asset manager on a daily okay. basis. That asset manager's sole function is to make contact with the people that are, are slow paying yeah. or, or have not paid and in, in beyond a 90-day period. And so as a result of that daily activity, we, we run the fund at 96.6% .6 collectability percentage. So okay. we have about 3.4% of the homeowners that are not paying according to schedule, if you will. Okay. So um, it's, it's daily adherence to, to uh, that report and being on top of it. And we use licensed servicers, but we also just piggyback off their efforts with our communication to homeowners. 
Okay. So that's, that's for one. Um, for number two is really knowing, having a good sense of fair market value prior to purchase. Yeah. So you can make an assessment in terms of your investment to value and then having systems in place to ongoing monitor the fair market value. So you always understand where the investment to value sits at for your fund. Yeah. So when you do have delinquencies and you do have to initiate a foreclosure process, you understand the likelihood of recouping your capital into that investment. Right. So I want to get a, uh, I'll put a link on the page to your book, but I want to make sure that we mention it here in case somebody's driving and, and they hear, what is the book? I think that'd be a great way for somebody to get, uh, you know, deeper into this and understand who you are and if it'd be a good place for them to invest. What's the Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, a book on note investing, if you want to do this for yourself, is Note Investing Made Easier. Um, yep. I wrote a book a few years ago called Cashflow Dojo, okay. which is a little bit more um, high level on how to build your home on multiple streams of income. So I'm just real passionate about multiple streams of income in general and how that's needed for mm -hmm. American families to survive and thrive in today's economy. Yeah. So um, please pick that up. Um, I also have a living financial statement template that people can reach out to me and I'll be happy to send them an Excel file. It only works if you complete it and then keep it updated on a weekly basis and okay. meet on it with your accountability partner. Okay. Um, but someone can email me at martin at bqfunds.com. Okay. That sounds really cool. I appreciate you offering that. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you jumping on here. Uh, this makes a lot of sense, especially where we're at today. I like how you're coming in um, at a discount to par in where you're controlling your risk uh, with uh, your collateral levels. It all makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'm going to give it a hard look for myself. And um, thanks for coming on here, Martin. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Breck.